is Sober Reference. You're listening to A Sober Story, digestible conversations filled with evidence that you can do anything without picking up a drink. We share more cost-free resources on our website, www.soberreference.com, and hope you'll connect with us on social media. Search Sober Reference now and look for our logo. For more information about today's guest, visit our show notes. We hope you find this content valuable and leave feeling inspired to drink less, live more, and meet your potential. Enjoy. Okay, Peggy, I am really excited and honestly a little bit nervous to chat with you about some of the sections in your book because reading this book, I did a lot of underlining, a lot of kind of starring, a lot of circling, and the things that I starred were very important to me. And it's because they made me feel something inside that feels so precious to me and vulnerable, meaning if I were to speak them out loud, if I were to speak my own experience out loud, I would feel very emotionally exposed. It would feel risky. And I just love reading and getting that like hit in the gut and hit in the heart because it makes me feel one, like I'm just a human for thinking these things or experiencing these things. You know, it really relieves the shame that I feel around questions that I have and things that I've done. And there's a lot of healing that comes along with that. So I thought today's conversation we could invite in a little bit more healing. And I want to talk to you about your relationship with your husband, because in this book, I, I do see an arch in that. And it starts off very isolated, you and your husband having to separate in so many ways in order for you to start your journey and for him to start his journey with you in your relationship with alcohol. Now, there are two specific things that I've highlighted that I want to read out loud. And then I'm just going to ask you to share about what it's been like not drinking and healing that relationship with your husband. So the first sentence that I have highlighted is, I have put in so much work to get here that sometimes I feel I have left him back at the station. And that really hit me. I think that was in the section that was kind of three to six months into your sobriety journey. And then Another one that came a little bit earlier in your journey, I think more around the 75-day, 90-day mark was you're speaking about a sober influencer that you had been listening to or reading about, and her name is Claire. You said, Claire's husband had loved her through her sobriety. I don't think Paul, your husband, has the capacity or the desire to do that. And these things really speak to the fact that when we get sober, especially with our very intimate relationships, our personal relationships, there are two people having experiences with this change. I want to hear more about that journey from you. Yeah, in the very beginning, you know, he, you know, he did leave after my giant incident, my, I guess you'd say my rock bottom is that, you know, he left no intention of, of returning to our marriage. He had zero intention of returning to our marriage, which actually caused, as you probably read in the book, a little a bit of tension because he shared a lot of personal things with his daughters. And uh, there's actually a happy ending to that. So maybe we can talk about that a little bit. And so his mindset was, you know, he's a financial analyst. So you can't have two people that are more opposite than a, than a financial analyst. I call him sometimes a financial analyst is that, and I'm a social worker. So we are not only a man and a woman, but just on entirely different planets. And I love what you said, Louise, because he suffered the most. If you want to be honest about anything, the person that suffered the most from my drinking was him. And I drank at him. So 
I drank in a lot of things in our marriage. He's very black and white. Social workers are not black and white. So he left with no intention of coming back. And at that point, I almost felt relieved because I didn't feel like, number one, I deserved to be married. But part of it was that I was super angry because there was so many things in our marriage, especially being a blended family. And that's a whole new book. It was one of the, I'd say the biggest challenges of my life, honestly, is that I'm one of those people that wanted to be the perfect stepmother and there's no such thing. No, none of us wanted to be in this situation. And we, you know, mostly when the kids were little, we made the best of it. So I felt this sense of relief when he left and I felt pretty guilty about that in the beginning, but it was really important to me that he didn't leave because of my drinking. Does that make sense? Like it was, I was deeply in my soul saying, I, I can handle it if our marriage disintegrates, but I can't handle it if it, if he left me because of my drinking. I was in such a shame spiral at that time. You know, there's nothing worse than having your daughter, your adult daughter, actually having your rock bottom in front of your daughter's two sets of twins and then having your daughter tell you, mom, if you don't do any, if you don't do something about your drinking, you can't have the relationship you want with me and the kids. And that shame spiral was so, so deep and so hurtful that I I was happier if I could just be by myself, if that made sense. My son dropped me off at my condo that next day, and I just wanted to crawl into a hole. So I was almost relieved when he came back. And when he decided to, a few weeks later, decided to come back home, he was so pissed off at me that that I just hid in my room. Because if I went out there, I could, the tension was like, was like butter. Even when I walked out into the hallway, I could feel how angry he was. And I I was so confused because I'm like, why are you here? Why are you back here? So confusing because you're seeing the action of, there is this part of him that wants to stay, that wants to show that he he wants to stay and work it out. So he has physically arrived. But as we all know, like the physical is the one thing. And then the mental and the emotional and the spiritual is a whole other thing. So he was still had a lot to process internally around your experience. So the picture that that paints in which you said your husband has moved back into the house, but you feel like you are hiding from him and tiptoeing with him. And in your head, you're thinking, I don't think Paul has the capacity or the desire to love me through my sobriety. You're really questioning to yourself, okay, I see that there's a physical person here that wants this to work in the long run. And then the question is, how long is it going to be? What's it going to take? All that work for us to get there. And that's the real journey around, okay, I'm choosing to stay. I'm going to choose to lean in. I'm going to, we're going to work through this together and it's going to be really hard, but we've chosen to stay. Now, how do we do that work? How long is it going to take? And that's why the next quote really hit me. I have put in so much work to get here. This is you at your three to six month mark, but sometimes I feel I've left him back at the station. And how that reads to me is perhaps this is really me just finding a mirror of my own experience. So my experience that resonates with that is in recovery specifically in the first year, my experience was I did so much internal work on myself. I really needed to figure out why I was powerless over alcohol, what other things had been running my life and controlling my emotions, and how I was going to take my power back so that I could live very differently 
and most importantly, live without alcohol. And all of that work made me feel sometimes separate from my husband because he wasn't in the same program, the same internal work kind of arena that I had 150% committed myself to kind of in a like life or death or at least a life or soul death sort of urgency. Is my experience similar to yours or in that quote, were you meaning something different? No, I think obviously, you know, I'm, I drank uh, 150% and I got sober 150%. It's just who I am as a person. And I know that you're like that too. Um, I love your work. Is that in the beginning, he really, with the work I did, and you're right, the change comes from within. You know, the books are great. The podcasts are great. But the real, the real work comes from inside of you, right? They're just prompts. The books and the podcasts are prompts to make you look at yourself or help you look at yourself and see, you know, what, 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 what were those things that made me think that I had to check out of life by drinking a bottle of wine every night? He saw it as, at that particular point in the beginning, saw it as a weakness in character. If you loved me, you would just stop drinking. If you had character, if you had internal integrity, you would just stop drinking. He did not have any idea about addiction, that we were addicted to an addictive substance. And so I was doing all this work and he was sitting comfortably. I know he hurt. His heart was broken. But he was sitting in this place where he he really felt like he had there was no change he needed to make. He didn't see his part in how I drank at him. The the things that happened in our blended family, for instance, that he would completely change character. This is where we're probably a little different. You're probably not in a, uh, in a blended family. He would change character when his daughters were around. He treated me differently. And so that's probably an aside, but he, in the beginning, he did not see his part in it. And he also did not understand addiction. So I'm not sure exactly when, um, after I read Alcohol Explained and William Porter kind of thinks the same way that he does, in that sort of black and white way of thinking is that I said, if you could just read this book, all I want for you to do is read this book. And he read that book and then he read Annie Grace's book, which got me an interview with Annie Grace because I told her that she saved my marriage. So that was sort of fun. But, but yeah, and I think too what you're alluding to was so interesting because I could get, when I was in my deepest, darkest places, because I was in um, a group with sober cis and I was grouped with like 25 women, like I could go to them and they could understand exactly where I was. He still was so far from understanding where I was. And, and there is a chasm that happens because when you, when you do this work, you do grow. And he didn't see any reason for him to change. And Mm -hmm. that's why I felt like he was back at the station. Yeah, that's exactly what it resonates with, because I've had a similar experience in my marriage, where for the first few years of my sobriety, I really took it upon myself to really just to say, what was my part? What was my part? What was my part? And I didn't share, I didn't really share a, a lot of my recovery and my process and my program with my husband. And then it got to the point around year three, where my desire to drink came back because the things that had been causing me pain hadn't changed. I'd changed and 
I was very aware of now the things causing me pain because I wasn't drinking away my awareness or my presence. So now I'm aware. And then I realized, oh, wow, things in our marriage have to change. Like, I can't be the only one now looking at my part. Like, I need this to be a, a partnership where I look and you look and we look and we change together. And that was a big crux, not only in my sobriety, but 150% in my marriage and my understanding of healthy relationships, really learning how to, to speak those needs, to communicate with him about how I'm feeling, for him to communicate with me how he feels when things happen. and. It has been the hardest work he and I have done over the past couple of years together. Really hard work in a marriage, in a relationship. And and we understand each other a lot better now for it. I'm curious what that work then, if you'll if you'll tell the listener what that work looked like. How did you start bridging the gap be- between, okay, now we're on two different playing fields where I'm kind of resentful that he hasn't looked at himself, but he's still like, I don't understand where you're coming from or how this happened. So I'm resentful at you. How did you get to the to the place you are now? What what did that work look like? Yeah, it's so funny because we were in the beginning, it was like, I remember him saying to me, maybe, you know, six months down the road, might have been longer than that, where he was saying, um, aren't you done with all these meetings and all this stuff? And what happened is I was transitioning from like sobriety is my passion. I mean, it is, it is what I do. It's what I am. And I think he was feeling a little bit left out and that is there going to be an end to this like sobriety stuff? You know, are you going to, and I said something like, and it was, it was a really big turning moment because I said, well, I could always drink again. And he goes, no, that's okay. And that was really, you know, we use a lot of humor in our in our relationship now, which was really absent before. Let me let me start with something that recently happened. I think this will really illustrate where we've come is that I was dying to watch The Good House with Sigourney Weaver. It's with uh, Kevin Klein and Sigourney Weaver. And it is about a woman my age uh, being addicted to wine. And I had to watch it. I had to have him watch it with me. We paid 20 bucks for this for this thing. It's out in the theaters. You know, it's still not streamed. We sit down. I re- resonate with everything Sigourney Weaver is doing. And I look at him, and he has tears in his eyes. It was too close for him. Louise, I went off on him. I'm like, you, this is so important to me. Sobriety is so important to me. I wanted to watch this with you. But it was a huge turning point in the fact that he said, this is too close for me. This still hurts. This this was you. And there was this major breakthrough in the fact that sometimes in my passion to be passionate about being sober, I forget the pain I caused him. Because he saw it all. He saw, he, he saw me in the bathroom, passed out on the floor. He saw so many things that I did. And he kept trying to make excuses for them. Like, oh, you, you, know, you need to eat. You're tired. You have a job that nobody wants. And you're stressed out. And he tried to make a lot of excuses for me until there were no excuses left. But I'm telling you, I wanted to, we were up at the cabin. I wanted to leave and say, you don't understand any of my sobriety. I'm done. But it was the biggest breakthrough we've had in our marriage in the three and a half years I've been sober 
because I actually felt his pain. And when I recognized that in him, he appreciated me. And, and he said, I really want to sit down and watch the rest of it with you. And I said, no, that's okay, because it was, it was so painful for him. But he sat down and watched the rest of it because he is so proud of the person I've turned into. Mm. It was huge. Mm. So I really do think that, you know, all along, he, you know, just like anything, he's a little jealous of the work I do because I, I do it 24-7 right now. However, we just celebrated my son's wedding together last weekend. And he, he said, I'm so, I'm so excited to see you. There was some, you know, some things at the wedding that were, you know, it's different when your son gets married is when your daughter gets married. And, you know, and he said, Peggy, you, you just shine, you just shine at this wedding. And, and I don't have to worry about what you do. And I loved how you dance with Brett, you know, for the mother son dance. And, and the other fun thing is said, I'm so glad because he had a couple glasses of uh, wine at the, he's a, I guess, a normal drinker. He doesn't drink much. Uh, way less now that I'm not drinking. And it was fun because I got to drive him home. You know? What I hear is that there's a new level of comfort with him accepting and seeing, acknowledging, appreciating the path you're on, and vice versa, you accepting and seeing and appreciating the path that he's on. And I just feel like being seen in that way by our partners is so important. Again, it like it just humanizes us. There's grace that happens when someone's like, oh, okay, I see. I see there's pain there. I, I can allow that. We can sit with that. I can, I can accept that and not push something else on you right now. There's especially by our like intimate or life partners, it feels like that's I'll speak for myself, something that I want, I want so bad. And it's hard to get sometimes because like you, I had the experience of choosing to get sober and my partner and my family, not my partner and my family did not um, realize that I had a problem. A lot of my abnormal drinking happened quietly and alone. So there was just the different levels of I have an experience and you're seeing a different experience. You just quite don't don't understand. If I say disease, you don't get it because you haven't had the education. So I guess what I'm speaking to here is along the road in recovery, it's very normal to feel like people don't understand us. It's very normal for people to not understand us. And I think what I want to offered people who don't feel understood, especially by the people who they love the most and who love them the most, is that that's okay. That can change in time. And remember that there are two healing journeys or two, just two totally separate journeys happening. If you don't see the full picture of both right now, that's okay. Do you have anything that you would say or advice you'd give to someone such as yourself in those first 90 days? around relationships and just the journey now that you have some hindsight 2020 perspective. Yeah. I mean, I, I think 
we really have to give our partners grace because they've heard it before. You know, I, I really was a machine that just lied. You know, things like, did you have some of the bourbon? No, I hate bourbon. And he went for that for a long time. I mean, my drinking just turned me into a, a horrible person that just lied. And even lying for, like, I didn't even have to lie and I was lying. So, and I think he wanted to believe those lies because he does care about me. He does love me. So I think we have a tendency to defend ourselves. And I had to learn to be comfortable with the silence. And if I felt overwhelmed, I went to bed. I just went, I, some days, Louise, I went to bed at six o'clock at night because I just had to, I had to go there and I had to give him the space too. But, you know, again, in the beginning, the shame was so, so deep for me that, that I didn't even feel like I deserved to walk out into the, into the hallway when he came back. So, and I was so confused about what he wanted. Again, I, I had no idea, you know, he would be nice to me one minute and turn around and you know, say, how could you, how could you ruin our family? How could you tear our family apart? You know, and he was, like you said, it, it's two journeys. And I don't think I really, I was pretty egocentric in the beginning. All I wanted to do was just not drink. And if it meant for me to go to bed at six o'clock, just not to drink, that's what I did. And to be able to explain to him, I need to be selfish right now, because I just need to get through these days. Although, again, in my honesty, I was done. Like, there's so many people I had a 100 day ones before this happened. But when my daughter asked me to stop drinking, <clears throat> that was all it took for me. It was, all it took for me was two sets of twins little eyes looking at my son pulling or my son going after my husband at a at a cabin after a family reunion. So I was very lucky in that way. But just to give them Give them grace and let them don't take everything personally, you know, if that makes sense. I never thought in a million years, Louise, that my husband, who's a very private person, would write the last chapter of my book. Yeah, that was a beautiful thing to read. And to, to see that in the book as such an example of the commitment that I'm here. I might not understand it all. I might make mistakes, but I'm here. And I see you. And I think that's just another thing to remember. You can be in a committed relationship with someone and have a lot of questions and have a lot of uncertainties, have a lot of fear, have a lot of lack of understanding and still be committed. That's what I'm learning in a marriage. Like there, there can be a lot of confusion and a lot of hard stuff and you can still be committed 100%. So Absolutely. the grace is on both sides, grace to yourself, grace to your partner. And I'm so grateful that you, you and your partner have the vulnerability to share some of these very personal thoughts, experiences with the world in your book, This Side of Alcohol. Because again, it, to, for me, it's reading that somebody else has had somewhat of a similar journey. That is the grace I need to let go of my perfectionism and the shame that comes along with that. In the book, it, you know, I talk about him going up to the cabin and reading the manuscript and really worried because there was so many things he didn't know. He didn't know I went to these, you know, great lengths to throw my alcohol bottles away and all the things that I did lying about not liking bourbon because I didn't care if that was the only thing that was left. 
And I was I was really freaked out about him going up there and saying, you can't publish this book. He's very private, right? And I mean, the funniest part about that was that he said, the only thing that I didn't like about your manuscript is you say the F word too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Oh, that's so beautiful. And again, that humor of like, Oh, we can we can show everyone our our darkness and be met with a surprise, which is humor and grace and acceptance. Thank you again. And for those who don't know, Peggy has a book called This Side of Alcohol. Uh, it's a really honest read. It's a good read. It's a healing read. And I would encourage you, if the, this conversation has resonated in any way, to to please pick it up and have a journey with it. I very much enjoyed it. And thank you, Peggy. Thank you for sharing. No, you're so easy to talk to. It just, it's beautiful, really. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Sober Reference. We hope you found this content valuable and are leaving feeling inspired to drink less, live more, and meet your potential. You can find more cost-free resources on our website, www.soberreference.com. We hope that you'll connect with us on social media, search Sober Reference now, and look for our logo. Great job taking in sober positive content today. Until next time, this is Sober Reference, and we are so glad that you're here.